Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Sports Ball Podcast. How about this weekend? The NFL season has moved into the divisional round of the playoffs. Man, what a weekend it was. We're going to be breaking down every single game today because content, and we love it. Excuse me. What a slew of games we had. You know, now we get to see who will be in the divisional round of the playoffs, who will face who. I'll let you know who I think is going to go ahead and scooch on by. But without further ado, let's go ahead and get things started. And I want to kick it off with the wildest game of the weekend, in my opinion. And it was the Dallas Cowboys and San Francisco 49ers. And you say, why was this one the wildest game of the weekend? 23-17 was the final. Dallas went ahead and scored 10 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. What made it so exciting? You know, originally I thought that this game was over after the third quarter. It was 23-7. to And I was like, they got it. San Francisco, it's all good. It's no big deal. We, we are packed up, ready to go, whatever. Fourth quarter hit, and Jimmy Garoppolo tried to give the football game away. The defense tried to give the football game away. It just baffles me how they went ahead and did stuff like that. You know what I mean? But let's go ahead and move on to statistics. So, Jimmy Garoppolo for the San Francisco 49ers was 16 of 25, 172 yards, and one interception. He averaged 6.9 yards a throw. Dak Prescott on the other side, 23 of 43, 254, one touchdown, one interception, and took five sacks during the day. His QBR was a 27 from 0 to 127. Jimmy G's quarterback rating was a 68 and a half. Look at the rushing yards. Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, 90, 96 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, 10 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown. And then Jimmy G had a rushing yard as well on one of his. So they ended up going ahead and rushing the ball 38 times for 169 yards, two touchdowns. Dallas, 21 times for 77 yards and a touchdown. You obviously see the balanced attack with everybody is just so-so. Ezekiel Elliott, 12 of 12 carries, 31 yards, no touchdowns. Dak, on the other hand, was the only touchdown with four rushing attempts and 27 yards and a touchdown. He was the one that went ahead and rushed into the end zone. After that, leading receiver for the 49ers was Brandon Ayuk. Five receptions, 66 yards, no touchdowns. And then you look at the Dallas receiving. Dalton Schultz, their tight end, was their leading receiver. Seven receptions. 89 yards, but Amari Cooper had the only touchdown for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Mainly, it was 172 passing for the 49ers to 270 passing for the Cowboys. What made this game so exciting, though, right? Well, going down the stretch, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I believe the Cowboys got the football with about a minute left. Maybe a little under that. And then they had to drive all the way down the field. Dak Prescott lives for these moments, right? He lives for these moments. And the Niners were not playing good coverage. They were allowing them to get their first downs, allowing them to get the to go out of bounds, all that stuff. Eventually, it goes ahead and it comes down to 14 seconds on the clock. And you're looking and you're like, holy crap, they, they could actually they could actually do this. They're at their own 40. They're not they're at their own 40, they're at the San Francisco 40. The receivers are now playing to the point where they're trying to block off the sideline, keep them in bounds. And I'm thinking to myself, holy crap, the Cowboys have a real good shot at doing this. Dak takes the snap, drops back, takes off, quarterback draw. Rushes, and I'm all I'm saying is, what are you doing? Mind you, the Cowboys had no timeouts. Drops back, takes off, gets 20 yards on the play, slides. The Cowboys get up to the line. They have the ball. They're ready to snap, waiting for the referee. Now, if you don't know, the referee has to touch the football in order for the play to be, quote-unquote, live. The referee comes running over. Time's ticking, tick, 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 tick. Ends up knocking over Prescott a little bit. Ends up placing the ball. Dak finally gets the snap, clocks it, and there are zeros on the clock. In other words, the Cowboys lost due to a referee not being there on time, quote-unquote. Now, my thing with this is... I am not going to blame the referee. I'm not. I'm not going to go ahead and say he should have been running with Dak Prescott the entire way. No, my issue was the play call. My issue was the fact that they ran a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and no timeouts. That was my issue. The reason why you don't do something like that is because, God forbid... That a situation like that happens. You do get down there. You do go ahead and slide. You need a touchdown to win. It's 23 to 17. You go ahead and you get that touchdown. You're tied at 23. And the extra point wins you the game. But why on God's green earth are you running that football to try and to try and get closer? Why not throw it? You've been throwing it effectively enough. The hook and ladder from Amari Cooper to C.D. Lamb was really nice. But now your season's over because of stupidity. Now, normally, I'm not one to call for jobs. But when it comes down to it, Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, should be fired. 
his poor decision-making and poor play-calling was the reason that the Dallas Cowboys were as flawed as they were. And a lot of times were the reason why the Dallas Cowboys fell flat. For example, the Denver Bronco game. Poor game planning. Thought they were going to steamroll them. It's just very unfortunate to go ahead and look and see everything. And you go, you know what? This is the guy to go ahead and lead us to the promised land. Mike McCarthy's resume, he does have a Super Bowl under his belt with Aaron Rodgers. He was the coach of the Green Bay Packers for so long. I believe it was like 10 10 years or something like that. And on top of that, Mike McCarthy went ahead and he had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, both of them. I am more convinced than anything that Aaron Rodgers is what made Mike McCarthy. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. Mike McCarthy is not a good coach without Aaron Rodgers. Mike McCarthy is an average coach with Dak Prescott. I would trust Kellen Moore as opposed to Mike McCarthy. So you go ahead and you ask yourself, where do they go from here? Well, obviously they have a lot of things to look at in the offseason, defensively as well as offensively. Mainly, though, I would focus on the head coach. I would focus on the head coaching spot, and I would go ahead and see if you can improve there. But as of right now, if you were to go ahead and ask me what to do with the cat, what to do with the Cowboys situation, I would, number one, look at your mistakes in the offseason, see how you can get better. And number two, I would fire Mike McCarthy and hire somebody new in the organization. All right, let's discuss the Cincinnati Bengals and the Las Vegas Raiders. That game, what a way to kick off the NFL playoffs, right? If you didn't watch this game, this was an amazing game. Two 10-7 teams going head-to-head with each other, and this was just fantastic. You go ahead and you look at this game, you see the final score. It was 26-19. Cincinnati, they move on to face the Tennessee Titans. You go ahead and you look at the Raiders, look at everything they've overcome. Their head coach going ahead and having to be let go due to the emails that emerged from the Washington investigation. Henry Ruggs, DUI, tragic DUI. There was another receiver, I believe, that went ahead and brandished a gun online, making threats. So he got cut from the team. Darren Waller recently opened up about his sobriety and what it meant to him. The Raiders just have a whole bunch of different problems. But under interim head coach Rich Basiglia, or Rich Basiglia, Rich Basaccia, He went ahead and he managed to take that team and make it into something that it isn't. Got them to the playoffs. And almost won them a playoff game on top of it. So let's go ahead and take a look at the numbers. Let's look at Derek Carr first. We'll start with the Raiders. The Raiders, 
Derek Carr, 29 of 54. 310 yards. One touchdown, one interception, sacked three different times. Had a QBR of 39.1. On paper, that doesn't look good at all. 29 of 54? Threw for 310? Again, mainly in garbage time that the Bengals went ahead and were giving the Raiders, but that's beside the point. Joe Burrow, let's look at him. 24 of 34. 244 yards. Excuse me. Two touchdowns. No interceptions. Sacked twice. Had a QBR of 62.6. Pretty good day for Joe Burrow. Very good day for Joe Burrow, I'd say. You look at the rushing attack, and you say, well, Vegas had more rushing yards. 14 carries for 103 yards, 7.4 yards a carry. Cincinnati carried the ball 25 times for only 83 yards. But I'm just going to read off some names that are what make the Bengals dynamic. Let's look at this. Rushing-wise, Cincinnati had Joe Mixon rush the ball, Jamar Chase, Chris Evans, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Burrow. Now, granted, Joe Burrow ended up losing two yards, and they were mainly scrambles. And then Vegas went ahead and had Josh Jacobs run the football 13 times and Derek Carr once for 20 yards. Okay. Joe Mixon obviously led the team for the Bengals with 48 yards on 17 carries. Now, look at receiving-wise. You go ahead and you look at the Vegas Raiders. Their leading receiver was Darren Waller. Seven receptions, 76 yards. And Zay Jones was the one that went ahead and caught their touchdown pass. Obviously, I already read it off to you. 310 was the total yardage for the Cincinnati side is Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase had nine yards, nine receptions, 115 yards, but no touchdowns. The two touchdowns of the day belonged to Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzoma. Uzoma had six receptions for 64 yards, and Boyd, four receptions, 26 yards, and a touchdown. So the difference here is that, obviously, Derek Carr didn't throw the ball as well, got his numbers in garbage time, all that stuff like that. The part that sucked, too, was turnovers. Turnovers played a very big issue when it came to the um, to the Raiders. Lost the ball twice. Both of them fumbles, one by Hunter Renfro, one by Derek Carr. The thing is, is that it, it, it sucks because it's like any any turnover – is going to be costly, period. End of story. Like, there's there's no advance or buts about it. Especially in playoff time, you have to play nearly perfect. So, when you're looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, I went ahead and I said they're kind of like a dark horse. And I also made my case last week for Joe Burrow to possibly be named MVP of the league. So is it so far-fetched to say that, again, without Joe Burrow, do the Bengals even play like this? They pretty much led the whole entire game. Now, there was a controversial play, which, unfortunately, the 
referees for this game will no longer be available due to said controversy. But there was a point where Joe Burrow went ahead and he launched himself when he went ahead and threw the football, which was a touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd. He went ahead and he launched himself. He was running toward the sideline, jumped, threw the ball essentially out of bounds, cross body and into the end zone. Technically, that pass doesn't count. It's not like in the it, it's not like the touchdown rule where if the body is out of bounds but the ball is over the goal line, then it's touchdown. It's not like that. If you and the ball are out of bounds, you're kind of out of bounds and the ball should be dead right there. It's a play that should have been reviewed and they didn't take a look at it. People were left scratching their heads and people went ahead and they were talking about, you know, oh, well, the Raiders got screwed again. It's just like the tuck rule against Brady 20 years ago. So great. Now they have something else to complain about. But at the end of the day, the Bengals played better than the Raiders. That's the bottom line. I can't go ahead and I can't say, you know what? The Cincinnati Bengals, they just, they didn't play well. They weren't good enough, whatever. The Bengals played a very good football game. And I really do think that the Bengals are going to give the Titans fits. Now, whether they beat the Titans, I don't know. I still trust the Tennessee defense as opposed to the Cincinnati defense, but we will see what happens. That is going to be a good game as well because Cincinnati against Tennessee's defense is going to be a very high-powered one. Now, what Tennessee's offense can do to Cincinnati's defense, we have no idea yet. We'll have to see, especially with the help of Derrick Henry. But the fact that the Bengals went ahead and played as well as they did and showcased that they were very capable of going ahead and making something out of nothing. This this team I really thought was going to be dead in the water at the start of the year. I was like, it's a rebuild. They're the worst team in their division. It is what it is, whatever. And now you look at it and you go, holy crap, they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. A lot of people didn't have them really winning a playoff game. People thought, yeah, the Raiders are going to pull it out. They've been red hot. I think I knew when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs in week 16, or excuse me, week 17, that this was this was something special here. This was going to be something special. Now, I can't go ahead and say Cincinnati's going to go to a Super Bowl, but I think that it's not far-fetched to say that Cincinnati's going to cause a problem. And God forbid, if they do get to the AFC championship game, whether they play the Bills or the Chiefs, they're going to give them fits, especially the Chiefs. I don't know about Buffalo, especially after what they did to New England, which we'll talk about next. But the fact that Cincinnati played so well baffles me. And I really think that we have to look at this and we have to say, are the Cincinnati Bengals a dark horse Super Bowl contender? Okay, let's discuss what happened with the Patriots and the Bills. 
Now, if I'm going to be entirely honest with you, I kind of let this game third quarter because there was really no point in watching anymore. So I may not have the best knowledge when it comes to the whole game, but I can probably give a good summary of what happened during the game. So let's just put it this way. The final score for the game, 47 to 17. Nobody, I'm sure, thought that the Bills were going to go ahead and win by 30. Everybody except, of course, probably Bills Mafia. So, Buffalo jumped out to a 14-0 lead in the first quarter. When you go ahead and you look at everything, it was 27-3 in the second quarter when all was said and done. Come the time that they went ahead and they were in the third quarter, the Bills went ahead and they had 10 points. 10 points! What do you do? Right? So the Bills had 33 at that point. So you're like, ah, maybe the maybe the Patriots are gonna get back in this thing, right? Yeah, at the end of the game, 47-17. But let me just say something, right? I went ahead and I saw a stat that actually blew me away. The Bills had offensively what some would consider a perfect game offensively. They never punted the ball. They never turned the ball over. They scored a touchdown on every possession. Well, with the exception of the field goals, I believe. But they scored a touchdown. They never turned the ball over. They never punted. They never had like a three and out. They never did any of that. So essentially a perfect game. Josh Allen... Missed five, or excuse me, four. Four throws all game. Four throws. You couldn't have asked for a better performance from a quarterback. Josh Allen, 21 of 25, 308 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, and he was clean the entire night. Almost had a perfect passer rating. His QBR was at 98 and a half. Looking at the other side of it, Mac Jones, 24 of 38, 232 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked three times. Like I said last week, Mac Jones started to look like a rookie toward the end of the year. And Mac Jones looks like that rookie has finally come to fruition. So, you go ahead and you look at everything and you say, well, you know, Mac's a rookie and, you know, he'll be fine. It's not the end of the world. I just really hope that Mac can go ahead and transcend like people are saying. Because I said it in the beginning, at least personally, I said that Matt Jones was a guy that will go ahead and get you where you needed to go. The problem is, is that his ceiling is low. You can only hit so much with Mac Jones and then you hit a ceiling. Josh Allen, higher ceiling. Patrick Mahomes, higher ceiling. Justin Fields, higher ceiling. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson even. 
a higher ceiling. Trey Lance, I think, has a higher ceiling than Mac Jones. Mac is good enough to win you games in the NFL. That's it. He's a game clock manager. I don't see Mac Jones throwing his way to victory. I don't see that. I will go ahead and congratulate the Patriots, though. They went ahead and they had a down year last year, and then were 10-7 and getting into the playoffs. However, getting bounced by a division rival. I heard something, though, that was interesting. And this is somebody that I go ahead and I listen to. But he went ahead and he stated that he wouldn't be surprised if Bill Belichick tried to trade Mac Jones. An interesting take. Now, I think that that would be an interesting proposal. Because when you think about it, if you get a proven quarterback in New England, let's say Deshaun Watson, let's say Aaron Rodgers, let's say Matt Ryan, somebody like that. You get a proven quarterback in New England and send the other quarterback, Matt Jones, over to said team, it could work. Because think about it, Matt Jones showed that he could play, and Matt Jones also went ahead and showed that He's capable of winning you football games, but you got to try and build on the fact that it's like, oh, all right, you know, he can he can win you games, but can he actually lead us to a Super Bowl? So, let's let's look at this, right? Mac would be a very low cap hit. He's basically free. So that means you go out and you get other pieces. Let's say Mac Jones goes to, let's say he goes to Atlanta and heads over there. They get Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan goes ahead and gets sent over to New England. Matt Jones is there at Atlanta. They can go ahead and bring a whole bunch of pieces around Matt Jones to try and make him better. He's already got Kyle Pitts. Go ahead and bring in a couple different receivers. But let's get back to the task at hand. The Bills basically dominated on every side of the football. Every side. I mean, two two interceptions from Mac Jones is pretty big. I mean, I I feel like I don't even really need to go into stats, really, because (laughs) the, the Bills just dominated on both sides of the ball. Now, the most impressive thing with Buffalo, because coming into this game, the New England Patriots were graded as a top five defense in the NFL. Buffalo just blew them out of the water. Now, I don't think anyone went ahead and was going into this game and going, you know what? Buffalo is a 30, is 30 points better than New England is. I would have went ahead and said, Buffalo's probably 14 points better than New England is. I would have given them that much. But not 30. And I think that this is just an anomaly, really, because I don't think that the I don't think that the Patriots are that bad. I don't. I think that they're better than that. But I thought that the Bills were better than they were. That's just me. I thought that the Bills were better than the Patriots were. I never thought for a second 
maybe okay maybe earlier on in the year I thought that the Patriots were better than the Bills and the Bills weren't good enough. I I always thought that like the Bills aren't going to have what it takes to hit the playoff road. They literally went into their own building into Buffalo and they said, yeah, "Watch this." and just annihilated the New England Patriots as well as Bill Belichick. So looking at this now, I don't know what what happens. It's it's interesting only because I want to believe that this is going to be the the big stepping stone, right? For the Bills. The next game that they have is against the Chiefs, which is not going to be easy by any means, especially after the way that they played the Pittsburgh Steelers. Granted, they blew them out of the water too, and it shouldn't have really even been, you know, a game to begin with, and the Steelers shouldn't have been in there, and blah, 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 all this stuff. But I think that when you go ahead and you look at everything, and you're saying to yourself, you know, what's going to be the game of the week? There are two games that have my attention. It's San Francisco and Green Bay. Those are the teams that really catch my attention. And the one that I think is going to just burn the house down and it's going to come down to like this last second play is going to be Buffalo and Kansas City. That's just me. We'll see what happens from there. But as it stands now, I will not be surprised if Buffalo moves on to the AFC championship game. Okay, time to move on over to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay went ahead and had a very, very, very good game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Go ahead and you look at the game. It was 17 to nothing going into halftime. And then they put up more points, making it 31 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. And the Eagles finally got their 15 points. And the final score was 31 to 15. So you go ahead and you look and you said, wow, the Eagles really put on a show at the end of, at the end of halftime, or at the end of the game, excuse me. Wow, what a job done. Very good. I don't know. I I was kind of high on the Eagles a little bit going into the playoffs. I was like, it's going to be a lot closer game than people think. It was like Dallas against Denver. 31 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. Or Dallas, it was 30 to nothing at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth. It's just not fair. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just took them apart. Bottom line. Tom Brady, 29 to 37, 271 yards total. 7.3 average, two touchdowns, no interceptions, took four sacks that game, had a QBR of 52.4, which is average, average for Tom Brady. Jalen Hurts, 23 of 43, 258 yards, six yards average, one touchdown, two interceptions, and was two of two sacks. Had two sacks for a loss of 14 yards and a QBR of 20. I know that was a mouthful just to get off. 
Jalen Hurts was also the leading rusher. Eight carries, 39 yards. Boston Scott had one rush of 34 yards. That scored a touchdown to go ahead and put the Eagles into the scoring column to give them their first seven points. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The thing is, is that the Eagles, Devonta Smith, or Devonta Smith, he had four receptions, 60 yards. Um, he didn't get anything going either. That's That was unfortunate. They really started to hit him in the fourth quarter. He was pretty much shut down by Tampa Bay's defense. The thing that I said in the beginning was that it was going to be difficult to run on the Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I got next segment in mind already on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the main reason for that is because that Tampa Bay is one of the better run teams. They're one of the better teams that stop the run. And that that's, that's just it. They're a top five team when it comes to run defense. And it went ahead and showed it showed they the Eagles had 95 yards, but it was a very, very, very hard earned 95 yards. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are not a rushing team, had 106 yards rushing. Keyshawn Vaughn had 17 carries, 53 yards and a touchdown. Giovanni Bernard, 13 carries, 44 yards and a touchdown. Even little Scotty Miller had a nine-yard run. Excuse me. When you go ahead and you look at the receiving... Mike Evans went ahead and led the led the game in receiving. Nine receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. It just it was it was very sad to go ahead and see the Eagles claw their way into the playoff picture only to go ahead and fall flat on their face. I really thought the Eagles were going to put up a little bit more of a fight. I thought that it was going to be a lot closer game. I would have even went for 27-20. I thought that, that game would have been interesting, but 31-15 to was final. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers move on, and they are going to play the L.A. Rams in Tampa Bay. This will be interesting because I don't know if L.A. is going to beat the Patriots or the Patriots, the Buccaneers or not. Both teams, both L.A. and Tampa Bay, came off of very, very impressive wins. It's a matter of who's going to outduel the other. And honestly, I don't know what happens from there. We'll kind of have to see. But, I mean, if I had to go ahead and put my money on anybody, I would probably take Tampa Bay by slightly. You know what? I, I don't know. It's kind of a coin flip. I think that's a coin flip. I think that you go ahead and you have to pick, um, you know, who you want. It could go either way. I think either way, the each team is either going to win by three or win by a touchdown. It's going to be one or the other. I don't think that uh, – I don't think it's going to be a blowout game on either side. So let's talk about the other blowout that happened this weekend. And that one is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, a 42-21 ball game that just really never got going. First quarter, pretty boring, actually, 0-0 to end the first quarter. After that, the Steelers went up 7-0, and 
and then it was all Chiefs. <laughs> uh, it was 21 to 7 at halftime. Chiefs scored 14 more in the third quarter and then 7 in the fourth. It just never, never panned out, you know. But Patrick Mahomes went ahead and had a great night during the night. 30 of 39, 404 yards passing, five touchdowns and one interception. And a QBR of 68.0. They also ran a trick play during the game that Travis Kelsey went ahead and threw the football, a two-yard touchdown pass as well. Jarek McKinnon was the leading uh, rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs. 12 carries, 61 yards, no touchdowns. Excuse me, Travis Kelsey had a touchdown, five receptions, 108 yards. McKinnon also had a touchdown, six receptions, 81 yards. Byron Pringle, imagine saying that name now. Had five receptions, 37 yards, two touchdowns, as well as Allegretti had one yard reception for one. One yard reception for a touchdown as well. So here's what it came down to. Kansas City outplayed the Pittsburgh Steelers hands down easily. End of story. The way that I go ahead and I look at this is that, excuse me, is that the Chiefs are basically just that much better than Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh was nothing to really scoff at. The defense, the defensive side anyway, wasn't really nothing to scoff at, but Kansas City just tore them apart. Without TJ Watt, really, the Kansas City Chiefs are, um, just going to dominate you. And it's not like the Kansas City Chiefs went ahead and, you know, it's not like T.J. Watt went out of the game and never came back or anything. No, he was in the game. The Chiefs just went ahead and doubled them, tripled them, did whatever they want, and even went ahead and fooled them. Now, here's something that I will go ahead and refer to as well. So, isn't it weird that... The offensive line for the Chiefs pretty much played very, very, very good football in the beginning of the year, and Patrick Mahomes just looked off, right? Like, that's weird. It's weird to say. So, what do I mean? Excuse me. What do I mean? Well, is it far-fetched to say that Patrick Mahomes plays better when he is under stress, under duress, any type of way when it comes to the football. I mean, you know, when he's scrambling is when he's at his best, is the better way to say it. When Mahomes is moving around, when his feet aren't set, that is when Patrick is the best version of himself. Can I say with certainty that Patrick Mahomes is a much better passer and a more accurate passer when he's on the move, when he scrambles. Because when he's just sitting there waiting, 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 he couldn't really do much. Now, the 
the Pittsburgh Steelers got pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes was able to escape. And that's why I think he was so deadly. That's why the Chiefs offense is so deadly because when you go ahead and put pressure on them and they manage to get open and they manage to go ahead and give Patrick time to find somebody open, that's when they're going to kill you. That's when they expose defenses. So I really think that it was more of Kansas City's will to go ahead and, you know, let Patrick scramble and, you know, let Patrick do what he has to do in order to get them the victory. Patrick Mahomes, when he is on the move, is one of the most accurate passes in the NFL. When he's stationary, it's kind of iffy, you know. I mean, look at it, 404 yards, five touchdowns. Some people would say that the Chiefs are back to form. But now they have to go ahead and play a red-hot Buffalo team who just came off of beating a top-five defense. So what happens here? I don't know, but I'm very excited for what the future holds when it comes to this game. And it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs play and how they react to a Buffalo team that just flat-out destroyed their division rival. A rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. And to be honest with you, I am all here for it. Alrighty, let's talk now about the game last night, right? The Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Now, if you remember correctly, I picked the Cardinals to win this game because I said they're 8-1 on on the road. They play their best football on the road. And unfortunately, I was deceived. And that is very, very unfortunate. But on the plus side, Matthew Stafford finally gets his first playoff win in 13 years. Yeah, imagine that. Three playoff games, never got a win until his sports. So look at that. So the Los Angeles Rams ended up beating their division rivals 34-11. to And to be entirely honest with you, it was not even close when it happened. So it was 21-0 at halftime. And then they went right down the field in the second half and scored immediately. It was 28 to nothing. And I looked over at, you know, my girlfriend and I said, guess what? Because she took the Rams. I took the, I took the Cardinals. I said, you know what? You just won. Congratulations. At that point, it was over. 28 to nothing. I was like, yeah, call it, call it right now. It's over. There's no reason to go ahead and uh, do anything with these guys. That's it. Kyler Murray just didn't look good. Did not look good at all. 19 of 34, 137 yards, two interceptions. Got sacked twice for 15 yards. Had a QBR, a quarterback rating of seven and a half. That is garbage, literal garbage. You go ahead and you look over at Matthew Stafford, though. Matthew Stafford threw the ball 17 times in total, completed 13 of them. 202 yards, two touchdowns, had a QBR of 82.6. Even Odell Beckham Jr. went ahead and threw a pass. He had a pass that he threw for 40 yards. So how about that? Sony Michelle, 13 for 58 yards. And then Cam Akers, the newly acquired Cam Akers, 
just came off of IR, 17 for 55. Now let's talk about those two in particular because Cam Akers and Sony Michelle are a very good running duo. And when you have that kind of thunder and lightning kind of aspect, because Sonny Michelle, he he's got some speed to him. He can he can run. And Cam Akers has some power behind him. He'll he'll bulldoze you over. So there's that. Chase Edmonds, eight of twenty-eight. The 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 the, the rushing team of the Cardinals just was terrible. 61 yards rushing and 122 yards passing. Right? And then the passing game for the Rams, as well as the run game, you look at the run game, 140 yards total rushing. The Rams, 235 total passing. It was a very balanced attack. On top of that, the defense played out of their mind for the Rams. The Rams played extremely well, extremely well. I mean, you look at everybody, and they had fantastic, fantastic sets, 48 solo tackles. On top of that, they ended up having two sacks during the game, three tackles for loss. I mean, the the best thing that you could go ahead and say was that it was just – it just wasn't Arizona's night. Arizona – Ever since they lost to the Detroit Lions, it just hasn't looked right. And the thing is, is it's funny because after Minnesota lost to Detroit, they didn't look right. So you go ahead and you're looking at this and you're like, okay, um, Green Bay lost to Detroit. So what does that hold for them? Is Detroit kind of like some curse upon the NFL? Is that what it's going on here? Like, whoever loses to Detroit has to get bounced in their next few games, especially if they made the playoffs. Like, that's something that worries me because I picked Green Bay to win. <laughs> I think that what's going to happen is that the the Cardinals are going to have to look at some things. They built a team that was capable of making a Super Bowl run, but they didn't execute properly. I thought that Cliff Kingsbury had his team in great position, but I guess we were all fooled. You know, I went ahead and I said that in the beginning of the year, I was like, the Cardinals are legit. They're looking like they can make a Super Bowl run. Eight and one in week nine. After that, three of five. Three of five. That was what they were. That's pathetic. That's disgusting. You go ahead and you're looking at this team and you're thinking to yourself, I I don't understand what happened. They should be a lot better than this. I think that what ended up happening was that they just, the defense was way too much for the Cardinals. The defense finally stepped up, which actually makes things very interesting heading into Tampa because the best way to stop Tom Brady is to make him feel pressure. And the way that you go ahead and make him feel pressure, you bring a hard defensive front. The the Rams defense, I read some of the stats. They were on the ball. Bottom line. I don't think that you go ahead and you look at the Cardinals next year and you say, you know, yeah, I, I, I can't be fooled. If they have like a red hot start next year, 
and they say, you know, they let's say they start eight and zero. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna look at that and I'm like, oh, I've seen this story before, twice in two years, and I should have known from the previous year. The Cardinals were in first place in their division last year, and then they lost a whole bunch of games and dropped out of the playoffs. The second half of the season, for some reason, causes the Cardinals to fall. I don't know what the issue is, and that's something they're going to have to look at in the offseason on how they can get better. But next year, if the Cardinals go ahead and start off 8-0, 9-0, I'm not going to sit back and go, here come the Cardinals. I'm going to go, you know what, just wait, because they're going to fall pretty quickly. Alrighty, now let's take a look at the playoff picture coming up this weekend. The divisional round for the NFL. Eight teams have advanced. Four teams will move on to the conference championship. And then after that, two teams will meet in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California. Let's look at the first game on Saturday. The Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. This is going to be a good one. I like this game. So, as it stands right now, the Titans have a 59.5% chance to win this game. I would say that's pretty accurate. I would give the Titans... The edge in this one, some of the things that kind of have me questioned are the Cincinnati Bengals, especially in the defensive end. Trey Hendrickson, he's a big piece of the defense for the Bengals. He's questionable. Larry Ogunjobi, I think that's how you say his name, he went on IR. He's done for the year. Jalen Davis, their corner, he's questionable. Josh Top or Josh Tupo, I think that's how you say his name as well. Some of these names are just outlandish. A defensive tackle, he's questionable. Stanley Morgan, their wide receiver, he's questionable. So on the offensive side of the football for the Cincinnati Bengals, it's not so bad. The defense, which is where I have the most concern, is what worries me. As far as the Titans go, Torrey Carter, their fullback, he's on IR. Other than that, everyone's healthy. Everybody's healthy. Now, barring that somebody gets COVID or something like that, that's going to be a big deal. So, let's go ahead and look at this, right? The Bengals have won four of their last five if you include the playoff game. Other than that, they've won three of their last four. When it comes to the Titans, they've won four of their last five. So, coming coming in, it's always the age-old question, right, of... Does being on a bye help you or hurt you? Because if you're on a bye, you're going ahead, you know, excuse me, you're playing that last game. You're clicking as an offense. You're moving left and right. Everything is going real well for you. And then you have that bye. And sometimes the chemistry kind of slips and you have to try and get back into the rhythm. Now, the Bengals, they maintained that rhythm all the way through. They went ahead and they pushed into the playoffs with the momentum beat the Raiders. Now are they going to take that momentum and swing it into Tennessee? This one will be interesting. 
Derrick Henry is going to be the key factor here. If Derrick Henry can go ahead and at least hit 100 yards for Tennessee, I think that Tennessee wins this game. If not, it's going to be a lot harder for Tennessee to win. I'm going to give this one a 30 to 27 game in favor of the Tennessee Titans to move on to the AFC championship game. The Bengals are good. They're a great Cinderella story, and I love it so much. But I think that you go ahead and you're going to see the Titans come out with a new burst of energy, especially now that they have Derrick Henry. And I think that you're going to see what happens when he finally gets back on the field. I mean, for crying out loud, Derrick Henry's been out for weeks and he still has 937 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was in the top 10 as far as rushing, as far as rushers. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to think of the game, but we're going to have to see what happens from there. So let's go ahead and look at the other Saturday game, right? The night game for Saturday, San Francisco and Green Bay. This is going to be a good one, too. Plenty of good games this week. So, Green Bay coming in there, about a 64.5 point favorite, or 64.5, you know, percentage-wise favorite, as opposed to the 49ers. So, here's here's going to be the kicker with the Green Bay and the uh, 49ers game. Back when they played each other originally, Green Bay ended up beating them 30-28. to 28. But the problem was, was that the Niners had Green Bay on the ropes. 27-28, to 28, they went ahead and they left Aaron Rodgers about 38 seconds. That's really all Aaron ever needs, 9 times out of 10. But is it going to be the same scenario? The Packers are starting to show the cracks in the armor through the run game. The run game is what's going ahead and making Green Bay a a, a more vulnerable foe. Because before, I was like, they, you can't break this team. Ever since Cleveland, I'm like, holy cow, teams are starting to figure it out. So I think that San Francisco is going to run the ball down their throat. They're going to use Debo Samuel to the best of their ability. They're going to use Elijah Moore to the best of their ability. Um, I mean, you got a whole bunch of or Elijah Mitchell to the best of their ability. Jimmy G is the part that's going to be the factor. I know that the Niners can run the ball. I know that for a fact. But can Jimmy G prevent mistakes from happening? The key thing is, too, Green Bay is going to get Jair Alexander back, their star corner, and their star end, Zadarius Smith, is also going to be in the lineup as well. The Packers are pretty much at full strength. On top of that, It's going to be cold in Green Bay come game time. It's going to be cold. Can the Niners, being a warm-weather team, can the Niners go ahead and manage to get past the cold weather and beat the home team? That's the other thing. If I had to take a guess on this one as how this is going to go, I'm going to say that Green Bay goes ahead and puts up 35 in this game. but. It'll be a 32-35 to win. This one's going to be close as well. This is going to come down to a wire. Like, it's going to be a last defensive stand kind of day for the Green Bay Packers. 
And I'm very interested to see how this is going to work out with everything. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun day, but I'm going to take the Packers in this one to move on to the NFC championship game. Now, one of the, this, this just got a lot of good games written all over it. Tampa Bay and LA. That's going to be the first Sunday game that we have. Tampa Bay is a 66% favorite to win over LA. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this, mainly because Tampa Bay played very well and LA played very well. So the thing that kind of has me intrigued is Tom Brady's out on the field for the for for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's going to be interesting. But you saw how much pressure that defense brought on Kyler Murray. Can the offensive line hold up against the LA Rams? If they can, Tampa Bay is going to win this football game. If they can't, they're going to lose it. Bottom line. Tom Brady is an extremely gifted young man young man being 44 years old, extremely gifted, amazingly talented, but his mobility is what's going to keep him from going ahead and winning the football game if he's getting pressured. Brady's not somebody who wants to take a sack. He will drop down and he will try to pick himself back up afterward. As far as Matt Stafford goes for the LA side, Matt Stafford He's not really been in this scenario. Matthew Stafford, he's a very, very, very good quarterback. In 13 years, I mean, he's gone ahead and he's he's played out of his mind. He's played very well. But to be in the divisional round of a, a playoff game, that's what's going to go ahead and make it very interesting for me, at least. I think that what's going to happen is that Can Matt Stafford limit the mistakes? And can the Rams get pressure on Tom Brady? Because I just watched it. The LA Rams literally did whatever they wanted with the Arizona Cardinals. Whatever they wanted. Can the Rams do the same to Tampa Bay? I don't know exactly. If it's up to me... I liked what I saw out of L.A. more than Tampa. I think that L.A. goes ahead and comes away with the win on this one as well. I'm going to head and say that this is going to be a low-scoring affair. This is going to be a 21-17 ball game, and the L.A. Rams will play Green Bay in the NFC Championship game. Now, Buffalo, Kansas City. According to metrics predictability, whatever, this is the closest game we have. Now, if you were to ask somebody, who do you think would go ahead and win this? I'm pretty sure a lot of people would say Kansas City. I, on the other hand, think Buffalo has a better chance of making it to the AFC Championship game than the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you look at the predictions, I would be correct. 52% chance to win for Buffalo, 
47.9 or 48 in this case for the Chiefs to win. So this is a pretty evenly matched game. This will be down to who's going to make the less amount of mistakes and who can get the big plays when they need them. The run game for Buffalo is going to be crucial as well as Kansas City. Josh Allen is going to have to play the best game he's ever played. Same with Patrick Mahomes. Both teams are not going to have much to give. The Bills went in and beat a top five defense, and the Kansas City Chiefs beat up on a team that shouldn't have even been in the playoffs. So this goes ahead and begs the question, who wins this game and by how much? By how much? I think this one is going to be, again, a close one. A 27-24 ball game. That's what it's going to be. And it's going to be one of those last second ones to go ahead and send the team to the AFC Championship. And I think that team is going to be the Bills. I'd love to see the Bills get back-to-back AFC Championships to face the Tennessee Titans. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think Josh Allen is going to have a great day. I think Devin Singletary is going to have a great day. Patrick will also have a great day, but it will not be enough. So if you go ahead and look at it, then that would mean that Tennessee would play Buffalo. And then Green Bay would play the L.A. Rams. And I think that would be a very, very good way to cap off championship weekend and then move into the Pro Bowl and then to SoFi Stadium in the Super Bowl. So let's hope that this NFC and AFC divisional round matchups, let's hope that they are the matchups that we are hoping for. They all sound good on paper, but hopefully they will go ahead and they will be a spectacle to behold. And I can't wait for next weekend. Alrighty, with that said, that is the podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure you hit the notifications so you never miss another episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy your Tuesday. Hopefully it is a good one. A quick little update now that you've made it this far as well. Hopefully I can go ahead and get a couple people on. I got some stuff brewing. Just trying to work out scheduling. So hopefully I can get some more opinions on here as well. Make it a nice treat for you guys. So with that said, enjoy the rest of your day. I will see you on Thursday. And as always, I will see you on the other side. Mm -hmm.